On this vote, the yeas are 50, the nays are 50. The Senate being equally divided, the Vice President votes in the affirmative and the nomination is confirmed. That was Vice President Mike Pence casting an historic and unprecedented tie-breaking vote to make Betsy DeVos the new U.S. Secretary of Education. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for joining us. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, the Elbrooks Patterson's expected state of the county speech in Oakland County tonight. We'll have Andy Meisner, the treasurer of Oakland County here, and Kurt Metzger, the mayor of Pleasant Ridge here. Uh, he's also the founder of Data Driven Detroit. We'll talk about what they expect to hear from Patterson's speech and what the outlook looks like for them for Oakland County in 2017. Also, during that segment, we're going to try something a little different here at Detroit Today. Uh, if you are on Facebook, you will be able to watch us have that segment, uh, have that discussion on Facebook Live. For months, I've been watching people on Facebook Live and wondering, what is this all about? And what is that like? Uh, we'll find out today what it's like to not only be broadcasting over the radio, but also live on video on Facebook. So you'll want to tune into that conversation. And if you can, watch us on Facebook Live. All right, so back to the top story today. The Senate confirmed the Michigan philanthropist and billionaire Betsy DeVos on a 51-50 vote. Half of all the senators voted against her confirmation. Never before in our nation's history has a vice president had to break a tie in the Senate for a cabinet nominee. What does this mean for education in the United States? And what will it mean for politics here in Michigan? In particular, let's talk about what does it mean that someone like Betsy DeVos, who has essentially acted as a lobbyist for 20 years, raising and spending lots and lots of money on a particular uh, partisan issue, what does it mean for someone like that to join uh, the cabinet of a, a presidential administration. How do you make that transition from one role to another? Joining us to talk about that is Craig Mauger, who is the director of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. Craig, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Absolutely. So uh, let's start with this uh, this idea of what uh, Betsy DeVos has been doing here in Michigan for the last 20 years and how that will have to change how she has said it would change and how it is likely to look here in Michigan. The DeVos family, of course, is one of the largest single funders of Republican candidates and causes here in the state of Michigan. They've been that for a long time. With her joining the administration, she said under oath in front of the Senate, uh, she would not make contributions. Her husband would not make contributions. But it's also true that lots of members of the DeVos family make those yeah. contributions. So what is that, what's that all going to look like as she makes this transition? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a great question, and it's an important question uh, to the future of Michigan politics. When you consider the fact that the DeVos family is the biggest donating family in the state, and it's really, they're incomparable to anyone else, um, it could go one of a few ways. I mean, she stated in the committee that the, that she and her husband, Dick, would stop making political contributions. So they could completely pull out of that realm, not giving to the Michigan Republican Party, not giving to groups that don't disclose their donors, and not giving directly to candidates. I mean, that's one possibility that they pull out, and that would pull a large sum of money out of our political system. The other possibility is that other family members 
step up and give the amount of money that Dick and Betsy were giving and kind of make up for them stepping out. So really the impact would be negligible if that happened. And still, the other option is that, you know, could they still continue to give to organizations that definitely work on politics but aren't considered, you know, uh, campaign organizations and fall outside of campaign finance disclosure requirements in our state? So if they did that, uh, I mean, their role could continue in Michigan very close to the level it's continuing now. Yeah. What, whatever happens, though, it, it's very likely that things, could, things will change from what's happening now, and it will take time to see exactly what the impact is. We'll know a lot more two years from now when we look at the money flowing to the Michigan Republican Party, to the Great Lakes Education Project, the Michigan Freedom Fund, which are two organizations they've, they've traditionally funded in the past. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder what the potential risk is for her uh, in cleaning this up. In other words, if she doesn't do it properly, if she doesn't adhere to what she said in front of Congress, yeah. and, and or if there's some subterfuge afoot, in other words, that they continue to try to give but do it through other parties and, and really it's them, uh, and not to suggest that they would do that, but I mean, it's a, I think uh, given their enthusiasm about giving these causes, it's something that we ought to ought to consider. What what what's the risk if they if they behave that way? I mean, there there would be a huge risk in that, and I and I it, it I think because of that, it's very unlikely. I mean, the risk would be that someone says, you know, hey, the department of sec, I mean, the secretary of the education department is trying to influence what I'm doing on education policy in Michigan, and that would look very bad for her, and the potential gain would uh, not be likely worth what the risk would be because. It's very likely that someone who was who saw that type of influence happening would speak out about it. So, I mean, there there's a huge risk there. Yeah. Uh, what about we we did we have seen her have to pay some fines in the state of Ohio, I think, for uh, campaign contributions that that were or campaign reporting that wasn't done properly. Uh, I mean. It, is there is there a legal limit to the way that that she is supposed to do this, or do we just have to sort of take her word that she won't that she won't continue to give? I think I think for now we have to take her word. I mean, what will happen is we'll see. For one, I mean, for one thing, we won't see any contributions directly to candidates from her because, I mean, she made that vow, I'm not going to make any political contributions. So the heavy amount of giving that she and Dick do directly to candidates for the state legislature, directly to the caucus committees in Michigan, that will stop. Um, and, and the public will be able to see that firsthand because their name won't be showing up on uh, donation lists that have to be disclosed to the Secretary of State. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Craig Mauger. He is the director of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. Uh, we're talking about the confirmation of Betsy DeVos, a uh, West Michigan billionaire uh, uh, contributor to uh, many Republican conservative causes over the years. Uh, she is now going to be the Secretary of Education. Uh, 51-50 vote uh, with Vice President Mike Pence casting the deciding ballot yesterday in the Senate. Uh, what do you think of DeVos generally now that she is uh, Secretary of Education? What do you expect to see from her? What do you expect to see here in Michigan or around the country? Uh, and what do you think about this idea of someone who is essentially a lobbyist, somebody who has used their money 
to make uh, policy and have influence over policy for so long now is going to go be in charge of an entire part of our government. 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, uh, Craig, let's talk more generally about Betsy DeVos as Secretary of Education. I know you worked as a reporter uh, for a long time as well. Uh, There's something unusual about this. There's something unusual about someone in the role that she's had, uh, someone who's not worked in education, of course, has no real expertise in the field, being nominated to a cabinet position, uh, what 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 does this mean, uh, sort of going forward? What does it mean for the Trump administration? What does it mean for the Department of Ed? I think yeah, is the question. It, it's a, a fascinating are. question, and I was thinking last night um, about this question, and I was thinking about how um, a few years ago, Arnie Duncan was the the Secretary of Education appoint, appointed by President Obama, and he was in Michigan uh, a couple times speaking out. Um, positively, really, about the Education Achievement Authority, which was a Republican initiative. So you had this Democratic-appointed official coming and kind of working across party lines with, with Rick Snyder's administration when most of the Democrats in Michigan were, were just going all out against the EAA. And, it, and I was thinking about that in juxtaposition to, to Betsy now taking this, offic- this position because she has been such a partisan figure. And now in this, this position as education secretary, she's going to have to work across party lines with Democratic governors and Democratic administrations. She's going to have to work with Democratic uh, lawmakers across the nation. And it will be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Um, and we've never seen, as, a, as was reported yesterday in many places, a nominee for this, this position have so much opposition ever in the history of this position. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, one of the things that's true is that uh, this job's going to look really differently yeah. to her than what her life was like before. I mean, your, your point about having to work across the aisle, having to work with Democratic governors, uh, Democratic local uh, school systems, <clears throat> that's new. That will be new uh, for Betsy DeVos. The other thing that I think will confront her that will surprise her is the wide range of issues that will come across her desk that she's not ever had cause to really have to think about or even be knowledgeable about. I mean, if you think about her confirmation hearings, uh, things like the IDEA, uh, which which governs the way that school districts deal with children who have... Uh, disabilities. Uh, it was clear she hadn't thought much about it, and and really the person in this role doesn't have much of a choice. Uh, you've got to think about those things. Those are the those are the, the 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 things that the department really focuses on, and the the issues that she's been really interested in for twenty years: choice, vouchers, charters, those kind of things uh, are decided more at the local level. Anyway, I mean the the, the secretary of education doesn't have a lot of occasion to be able to to deal with those issues. Yeah, I think I think you're that's 100% spot on and and this this idea of her working across party lines I think will be complicated by this nomination process that just played out um, because even in the last couple of days some of her supporters were accusing the two Republicans who voted against her 
of bowing to teachers' unions, which was an idea that kind of made me laugh to think that these two Republicans elected to the U.S. Senate were going against her because they were caving in to the teachers' unions. That just doesn't seem like a plausible idea in any way. Yeah. Yeah. Again, 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. What do you think of the Senate's confirmation of Betsy DeVos to be Secretary of Education? Uh, the close close vote uh, in the Senate, 50-50, tie broken by Vice President Mike Pence the first time in history that it's happened. Uh, principally because this is the first time that we haven't had uh, a 60 vote majority required for uh, for for cabinet positions uh, what do you think about Betsy DeVos in general what do you think she will do as secretary of education what are we going to see here in Michigan or around the country uh, that she will do 313-577-1019 is the number that's 313-577-1019 you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. James on Facebook says she got her paid-for position. Why pay any more if she succeeds at destroying public education? I'm sure it was money well spent for her and her wealthy family What while the lives of the poor suffer, as usual. Uh, James, thank you very much for that comment. Uh, Nancy in Dearborn, you're up first on Detroit Today. Hi, um, thank you for taking my call. Uh-huh. Um, so I, you know, in listening to that comment about the person who just wrote on Facebook and, and a lot of other people in the conversation, I do have sympathy and I do want the public school education to be as strong as it can be. Mm-hmm. But I am a parent who puts my children in private school. And a lot of times we have, we struggle to make the tuition, but it's a choice that we made for our children. Uh-huh. And I don't see, I, I personally I agree with this school voucher system. I feel like I pay into a school tax, but my children do not attend public school. So I should be allowed to put my money towards the school that my children attend, which honestly, many times the tuition to make it affordable mm-hmm. is so much less than what is needed for the proper education of each child. So those schools are struggling. We have to fundraise a lot. Um, they don't get the, the arts programs, the music programs, because the school doesn't have the money. And if we use those vouchers to put it towards the education, and it fo- and the, every single year it follows my child. So when my children decide to go, I put them in the public school, it goes back towards the school that they're attending. I, I don't see what's like, why is that wrong? Well, I mean, I, I I don't know that it's a matter of right and wrong, Nancy. <clears throat> uh, I think that the that public school advocates, and I would count myself among them, would say that there is something about the public schools, about the public school system, that it's it's an agreed upon way uh, that we are going to make sure that everybody in this country has equal access to an adequate education. That's the mandate that exists in our state constitution and in most state constitutions around the country. And so when you when you do that, I mean, government is is the way that we, um, you know, despite our our massive disagreements and our the broad spectrum of ideas, we come together around governance, around the idea that this is the way we will provide this kind of service. Uh, I don't. I don't know that that uh, that a voucher system uh, can preserve 
that public system the way that uh, that we have agreed upon. Now, if people were to decide that that was what they wanted to do, uh, I think uh, certainly they have that right. Uh, we did have a referendum here in the state of Michigan for mm-hmm. vouchers. Voters said no. Uh, they said they didn't want that. And then there's also the question of uh, the religious barriers to that. Can you take public dollars and send them to to religious schools? Uh, you know, our First Amendment really does try to draw a line between, again, that public square and the religious one. Uh, and I, you know, what I hear in your in your in your question is this sort of desire to get uh, to get better quality. But I but I think one of the things that I'm not hearing is is the sort of understanding that that better quality should be available to everyone and that the best way to provide that uh, is through an agreed upon public structure. Uh, We have never seen opportunity present itself in a market-based system quite the same way as it does through government. Does that, does that make sense, Nancy? And, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who voted for Trump, but I do feel that, you know, I understand and I want our public school system to be fair and I want it to be accessible for everybody, um, you know, including low income. And but I think that the world is changing and there are a lot of parents who are making choices now. And even when they can't afford them necessarily, they are finding ways to script and save for a private education because they feel it is better than the public education that is out there right now. So that's one of the problems. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, The quality of the public schools. Which, which is, you know, a very long conversation that we we could have right. here for yeah. many hours, uh, is is one of the confounding issues there that that people don't feel like they can get the quality they want in uh, in public schools. But Nancy, I, I really appreciate the call. I really appreciate Thank the you. question. I think it was very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig, go ahead. Uh, I hear you. Trying to yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a that's a great question, but I think this conversation around Betsy DeVos is is even more nuanced than sometimes people want to make it. I mean, people want to say, if you're with Betsy DeVos, you're for vouchers and you're for school choice. If you're against her, you're against school choice and you're against vouchers. From having covered this at the state level for a while and, and covered groups that support her, it, it's, it's much more nuanced than that. If you think back to the DEC debate, the question is really about how do you regulate uh, this idea that we need to provide quality education to sure. every person in Michigan, every, every child in Michigan. There are a lot of people who support school choice and, and likely would su- support some type of voucher system that don't support Betsy DeVos because of how wide-ranging and open she wants school choice to be. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's more nuanced than maybe it's presented, and, and it's, kind of, it's difficult to grasp. For yeah. Sure. yeah, no, I, I mean, I would count myself, again, among uh, the advocates for you know, school choice uh, and, and for charter schools. Uh, at the same time, the, the 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 absolute lack of standards and regulation that Betsy DeVos has spent a lot of money making sure uh, is part of the system here in Michigan is is deeply problematic. Uh, I, I imagine that Betsy DeVos and I could agree on a lot of things in principle, uh, but it's it's where the practical end of it comes in that that I think she has an extremist view. That you know is unsupported by data, is unsupported by common sense, uh, and is has won the day in Michigan because of her money, uh, and that that of course also bothers me a bit. Uh, Nancy and Dearborn, thanks very much uh, for the thoughtful call. Let's go to Marianne in Ann Arbor. Marianne, you're up next. 
Hi, how are you this morning? Good, how are you? I just wanted to tell you how much I love your show. I listen to you every morning. Oh, thank you very much for that. Um, I really wanted to push back a little bit on this idea that um, because uh, I pay into a tax system, I deserve an equal amount of money back, and particularly as it attaches to public schools. Um, I'm a product of Catholic schools myself, Mm -hmm. and... I uh, come from a large Catholic family as a kid, and my dad, it was horrifically difficult for my parents to afford that tuition. And I asked my father once, doesn't it make you mad that you pay all this money for public schools and you don't seem to get any, you know, there's no, no, nothing comes back to you for this. And his response to me was, it is our responsibility as a citizen to ensure that everyone has the right uh, has access to schooling. That's right. our responsibility as a citizen. And just because I choose to make a different, uh, take a different action, put my kid in a different school system, right. that's my responsibility. Right. I'm choosing not to avail myself well, of yeah. something that I can, at, you know, as a citizen. And I think I'm not, uh, you know, necessarily opposed at all to the idea that you have a multiplicity of options for people, uh, for their kids. But if you are really trying to create a level playing field, our obligation is to make sure that the public system that everybody has access to is a strong is good one. enough. No, I think that's right. And that's a great way to, to, to put that, Marianne. I, I mean, I think if you think of other things we do, other things we agree to do through government, for instance, uh, I think the road analogy is the one that always comes to my mind, right? We, we, we all pay taxes to make sure that uh, there are sufficient roads to get to where people need to go so that emergency vehicles and other kinds of things can get where they want to go. And uh, you may also live in a community, though, where you pay for a private road, where you decide that you want something more than what uh, government will provide. And so uh, you decide to, to, to pay for that on your own. That doesn't then give you the right to not pay taxes uh, into the road system that provides those services for everyone. I mean, there are there are some things that are about common service and common good, uh, and I would put schools first in that category. But things like roads, things like national defense, for instance. I mean, you can uh, decide to f- defend your home uh, in a way that's different from everybody else, I suppose. But uh, the national defense, we all pay taxes into that uh, system to, in order to make sure that that functions for everyone. Uh, this idea that we should treat schools differently and allow people to withdraw their money from that common service, from that common good, and do it on their own, I think is destructive to the idea of those common services and goods. And I, I think you made that point uh, very nicely, Marianne. So thanks very much for the call. Uh, let's go to Leslie in Birmingham. Leslie, welcome to Detroit Today. Leslie, are you there? I think maybe we lost Leslie. Yep, I'm here. Go ahead, ahead, Leslie. I just wanted to respond to the mother who sent her kid to the Catholic school, I guess, in Dearborn. Uh, I live in Birmingham, probably one of the most expensive school districts in the state. We also choose to send our kids to a Catholic school, and it's a struggle sometimes to pay that tuition. And the school is more modest than every other public school around us. But that's our decision. Mm -hmm. And I wholeheartedly support Birmingham's uh, terrific school system. I support every public school system that's out there, even though I opt to put my kids in a different school. 
I, I think it's my obligation to pay for that, and I would never expect to take money, even my own taxpayer dollars, back out of the system to fund my kids' private education. That's my decision. It's my husband's decision, and the obligation is on us. And yeah. we enjoy supporting great, robust school districts all around us. Yeah, yeah. No, Leslie, I think that's uh, that's how most people see it. Uh, I, I, but again, I think we have this this argument coming from a very strong lobby that says we ought to think of it differently. That we ought to think of these as individual decisions as opposed to collective ones. And uh, th- there's a lot of ideology at play in that debate. Uh, and and div- you know, Betsy DeVos, people like Betsy DeVos are on one side of that divide. I think a lot of other people are on the other side but thank you very much uh, for that call chuck in franklin chuck welcome to detroit today hi Stephen. um hey. you began your conversation with uh, craig um with craig's doubting the power of the teacher unions in opposing um the betsy devos nomination and um the reason I know that the teacher unions were so deeply involved in opposing her is because that's what they're saying themselves. I'm looking at an article right now from The Nation online, unlikely right-wing source, saying that um, um, National Education Association of Alaska President Tim Parker told members to keep contacting mm. Murkowski's office mm-hmm. even after the committee vote on her. Um, and Murkowski's office said they got 30,000 calls yeah. from activists um, organized by the teachers' union in Alaska. Well, I, I, yeah, and, and there's no question that uh, unions were among the, the, the really broad coalition of people who opposed this nomination. I think Craig's point was that this was not done by by someone like Senator Murkowski in anticipation of support from yeah. unions. In other words, mm. that that she's not gonna she's not gonna get uh, campaign contributions, for instance, from the NEA uh, for this. This was about putting pressure on uh, an opposing senator, uh, as opposed to sort of, I guess, buying your influence uh, with that senator, which is which is the way that typically happens. Yeah, that's that's the clarification that I would make uh, for sure. And, and definitely the teachers' unions are powerful interest groups. They spend a lot of money to influence politics. But the idea that these two Republican senators didn't vote um, for, for Betsy DeVos's confirmation because they wanted to do the will of the, the teachers' unions and because they were believing all the arguments the teachers' unions were making, that just doesn't seem feasible to me as someone who's uh, covered politics for a while, that the Republican senators would make that decision based on what the teachers' unions were doing and not based on what happened at the confirmation hearings and statements that were made and other things that came out throughout yeah. the confirmation process. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, as always, thanks uh, very much for the call and the comments. Let's take one more call here. Kathy in Belleville, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey, how are yeah, you? Um, I had a comment on the uh, voucher system. In the mid-early 70s, we had in Michigan something called Proposal C came up, uh-huh. and that refused tax dollars for private education. At the time, I was going to an all-Catholic college prep school. Uh-huh. I was the only Southern Protestant there. <laughs> I spoke for blue-collar workers, factory plant workers, that paid $1,300 a year in 1969 for me to go to school. That fall, I spent hours and hours taking petitions around to get Proposition C voted down. Yeah. They didn't want public money used for private ed. 
Yeah. In no way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a debate that, as you point out, has been around for a while now. I mean, you've had people who have wanted to take public dollars and uh, return them to citizens, so to speak, and let them make their own decisions. And and again, I think there's something fundamentally at odds with the idea of common goods and services uh, and that notion that, that somehow our tax dollars uh, uh, can be, we can sort of uh, pick and choose where our tax dollars go, as opposed to paying into a system that that provides a common service or good for for everybody. So, uh, Kathy, thanks very much for reminding us that that argument has been with us for a long time. All right, uh, Craig Mogger, director of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. As always, thanks for being here on Detroit today. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Up next, we're going to talk with a couple of Oakland County officials about the state of the county ahead of Republican County Executive L. Brooks Patterson's State of the County speech tonight. Stay with us on Detroit Today.